Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Champman on the Post. We are back. We've we've technically missed a month, but then the last one came out at the end of the month before that. So we're, we're sticking with it. We're still monthly. Uh, I'm your host Ross, and with me as ever is Dave. Hello, hello. How are we doing? Good, mate. How are you? Yes, uh, very well, thanks. I know where you say we're slightly late, but we'll just do the next one towards the end of August, and no one will notice. It'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. We keep pushing it back, and then by, by December you get two. Two in a month. <laughs> Special Christmas bonus. <laughs> um, so yes, we are here to talk about uh, Championship Manager 4, more importantly the 0304 season. Um, I've been looking at screenshots of this because I don't remember this game at all really and it's it's very curvy this game, isn't it? Everything's round. Yeah, I think this was kind of, you know, when the whole internet went through that era of like, let's leave blocks behind and become... <laughs> Slick, 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 and cool, and everything's kind of small. <laughs> yeah. Was, so, was this the first game that introduced the two D match engine? It was, yeah. So, CM Four came out. It was CM Four was massively delayed, as uh, Mark Duffy told us last month. Yeah. Um, for various reasons, but it was obviously a complete rebuild from the one or two. We had the two D match engine brought in, uh, and a whole load of new leagues and stuff, and. Um, for me, like, what you get with CM certainly with three or four is kind of the shell of FM to this day. Like it's yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty much, much yeah. that that game that layout just built upon for uh, what, what's nearly what seventeen, eighteen years now. So yeah, they obviously, they obviously struck gold with it, but uh, obviously, obviously the games come on a long, long way. But uh, certainly the the layout and general aesthetics is kind of where we are now. Yeah. I love the 2D match engine. I still go back to it more oh, yeah. often than not. The, the 3D graphics have improved no end, but the 2D, you can't beat it. Even the like the advanced 2D ones they've put in, I don't, I don't go anywhere near that with the little feet on the players. Oh, no, none of that. It's, it's 2D all the way. Like, I still remember like, when I first played, the, it must have been the demo or something, and the, the novelty of like putting a run on a player and seeing how they look on the 2D match engine doing it. Um, yeah. Sounds like, sound like a daft thing now, but when all you've had is text for the years before that, it was... <laughs> It was a great thing. I was a big fan of it. I think, I don't know if this is the same era, but this is when I kind of was leaning towards the FIFA manager when that came out. Was that around this time? Or LMA manager, those sort of games? Yeah, I mean, LMA was on the PS1 first thing, wasn't it? Did it ever go to PC? I can't remember. But um, FIFA manager, I remember. Was that was the one with Martin O'Neill on the front as well? Was that FIFA manager? Was that yeah, I think that's FIFA manager as well, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were ter- terrible games looking back on them, but... They had some interesting kind of uh, parts to them. Well, it is, you know, it goes back to the days where you used to be able to buy three or four different games of football and enjoy them all. And, you know, that was that was just the way life was. And now you get 
football manager and nothing, or you get Pezzo. <laughs> and, and, and that's pretty much where I'm safe for the odd mobile game. I know you and uh, you and Chris have been enjoying. Uh, is it Retro Manager or something at the minute? Or? Retro Manager, yeah, which is it's good for a short spell, but it's not something you can play for a long time. It, it does well, I mean, that's, get really boring. You've just summed up you know, modern gaming pretty much. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> People's attention span lasts like an hour and then it's like starting to sort of something new. So, yeah, that's, True, that's where yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is actually spot on. Um, but yeah, so uh, what have we got coming up on this month's show? Uh, so while you're off sunning yourself, I went mm. and uh, met, I spoke to a chap called Liam who is CM Mourinho on uh, on Twitter. Advise what I'm missing. He's fairly new to the whole community thing, but he is a, yeah. an 0304 enthusiast. But he's also been dabbling in a 102 recently, and he's been doing some some interesting challenges with with, uh, with that community. So he's the perfect candidate to have on our show. So I was enjoy yeah, our chat with him. So we'll, sit, we'll have him up first, and then uh, after Liam, uh, I spoke to Lionel Morgan, um, who is a champion 0304 legend, but also played for England at various youth levels in Wimbledon and. Uh, a really interesting chat because he uh, was from a time obviously Wimbledon were going through the mill a bit. Um, he was having you know, great success at youth level, broke in the Wimbledon team, and unfortunately had quite a few injuries. Uh, and now has to make do with people like people like me asking him, you know, <laughs> how was it on Champ Manor three or four? Um, but, <laughs> you know, he uh, he's a you know, really really good bloke. Um, it was nice one to give us a time to, to chat about that. So I hope you enjoyed that as well. Yeah, I remember him being a proper one of the one of the one, kind of one of the first um, wonder, wonder kids, really. Uh, yeah, early two thousand. Exactly. Yeah, and he's he's a flying left winger who you can pick up for well relative peanuts because of Wimbledon's financial plight. So um, mm. him and Nigel Rio Corker, who obviously went on to do a little bit more, but uh, yes, but yeah, it was it was an interesting chat. He uh, he made yeah, he made the most of his small career. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I look forward to listening to those. I was planning on selling myself, but that got kind of rearranged. So I ended up in North Yorkshire, but <laughs> more, more on that on uh, other podcasts probably. Um, but yeah, so that is all coming up. And then we're going to finish the show with some uh, some more challenges for the community, Dave, aren't we? Yeah, so because of the format of the show, I've been doing a, an episode of the of the games so or per episode, if you like, we've been through the whole series. This today will be the, the last one of uh, of those kind of gate shows. So uh, we're going to sort of replace the look back at a game with uh, some community challenges. So we're setting you some tasks to be getting on with, and we'll we'll go through them in the next episode, and uh, we'll move on to. We'll still have interviews on, but it won't be about a specific game. We'll be chatting to yeah. sort of general community members about uh, about things they enjoy about the past. Excellent. Let's get straight into it then. Let's hear the first interview Dave's done with um, Liam, better known as CM Mourinho on Twitter. Okay, I'm joined now by Liam, who you may know as CM Mourinho on Twitter. Uh, Liam is a um, CM or 304 enthusiast, which is why he's going to help us out with this part of the podcast. Uh, but he also doubles in a lot of CM or 102. So, Liam, how are you, sir? Not too bad, thank you. Good, yeah. It's good to take a break from uh, a 102 for a night. <laughs> well, thanks uh, very much for joining us. Um, this era of the game is kind of a bit of a black hole for people. It's kind of the era between the end of champ and the beginning of football manager. Um, 
and certainly Chapman Four, which we'll cover in just a second, is, is you know largely forgotten about. But 0304 has some good memories, which I'm looking forward to going through with you very shortly. But before we do that, uh, the first thing we always ask any guest on the on the podcast is, what is your CM history? Where did it all start for you? Um, CM wise, um, I, I'm, I have vague memories of playing uh, 97, 98. Um, probably more watching my older brother play it, um, watching him. Watching him play it on the computer, we played games like Premier Manager. If you remember that on PlayStation and things, so we were into like the management yeah. games. And there was an actual game called Football Masters in like '97 um, that got us into the, the the football games. And then I suppose the first champ manager I remember was I, I would say 0102, but we weren't on it much. And then as soon as 0304 was out, I say we because me and my older brother were on it. He's, he's like me, he's an enthusiast like myself for 0304. As soon as that came out, we basically played that for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, 0304 is uh, it's a bit of a, an, an under, uh, underappreciated gem for me, um, which we'll say we'll come on to. But in order to stick with the sort of the theme of the pod so far, we'll just cover off CM4 very briefly. So um, CM4 was released in March 2003. Uh, and it was extremely highly anticipated because it was the first game with the old 2D match engine. Um, now, the first thing you'll notice there is that the release date was March 2003. Now, we had Mark Duffy, Mark Duffy on the previous pod who explained that um, during the, the build of this game, there was all manner of errors along the way, lots of problems to overcome. Um, and eventually when the game did ship in, in March 2003, it was actually released without any player histories. Um not a game breaker as far as I was concerned, but as you can imagine, for um, anyone who, who likes that sort of thing, a bit of a downer for them. Going to annoy some people, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So there was a series of patches and things released, or enhancement packs, as uh, as they were uh, dressed up as, um, and the game eventually, you know, settled down a bit. But uh, there were thirty nine playable leagues, which was up from twenty seven during or uh, one or two. But uh, the bugs, like I say, included. Um, not just player history, but random score changes, which I've, I do vaguely remember happening. Uh, it's generally very slow and uh, wasn't a very stable game to play. It was it was kind of certainly t- seemed to seem to use a lot of a lot of your computer's energy to uh, to run, and uh, it kind of didn't make it a very enjoyable experience. Um, but I say a lot of this was patched out. But by the time it was patched out, it was already getting into what the summer months and. Uh, People were already starting to think about the, the next game. Um, do you remember Champman Four at all? Um, I remember the front cover. I remember the, the cover because I think we we might have played a one or two for a while, but then and then obviously kept an eye on the new ones coming out. But I think like yourself and many others, I didn't actually play it. And I never never got around to actually playing it. Hmm. I remember uh, it was released as a playable demo with a with a PC magazine. I remember going out at my lunch at school to go and get that magazine. It cost us like a fire or something, which. <laughs> scandalous for a magazine I probably never read but the the demo I presumably got some, some use out of um, but yeah I remember just being so disappointed by how long the game took to come out uh, and then obviously what you did get was uh, was a bit of a mess um, and as a result I mean, as, as I said I don't really have any, any fond memories of CM4 but uh, I do have lots of lots of fond, fond memories about 0304 which is your uh, subject really um, it certainly is yeah um, so would you regard that as being the best one in the series for you, or is it um, sort of slipping in behind the, the for one me, or two? It's, for me, it's still 0304. Yeah, there's a few little things on 0304 that I personally prefer. 
Um, I can I can understand the cult following behind or one or two because I'm currently right in the centre of it um, <laughs> at the moment. But uh, no, I think all three or four is is the one for me. So, w- um, what is it for you? The, the tips of scales. Uh, I feel like it's got the right amount of detail and information and the right amount of things to do on it because obviously the newer ones which i think will come come to later on as as with all the older players like ourselves it, there's too much to do on the new ones it's not mm. fun to do all the things on the new ones um but i feel like all three or four has the right amount of you know things you have to click through to get to the games the amount of the right amount of board comments and and, and you know news news comments things like that um and things like um just little tweaks to the squad. So the squad page, you can have, you can save two different teams in your squad um, on 03 or 04, which going to 0102 that I'm playing now, I'm finding really annoying. <laughs> to clear squad and play a whole, create a whole new reserve team for the cup. Or if I'm resting players, it's, it's, it, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's getting to me a bit on the 0102. I'll tell you what, I was playing a 102 the other week, um, and presumably must have been playing it for on and off for probably 18, 19 years now, like like a lot of people. And I only just realised that you can, if you go into, um, I think there's a tab that says like next match or something, uh, and you can toggle through the dates to see your upcoming games. If you go back to the squad screen, it gives you like who's going to be available for that match. So you can essentially set your team for three, four, five games down the line, and I've never noticed that in so long playing it. I was so confused until I realised what I'd done. Um, I think I knew that either. <laughs> well, maybe it's just a bug. Who knows? But uh, I was very, very confused for a time. Um, anyway, back on topic here. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with with a three or four, you, you're quite right in that it uh, it does have a nice balance between uh, being able to have fun with the game, get through fairly quickly, especially nowadays. You can still fly through it, yeah. yeah. Fly through a season, yeah. Uh, with the added bonus of for me, the best match engine, which is the two D match engine. I still use that if I play football manager now. Um, None of this 3D lock. It's all about the 2D dots for me. Definitely. Until you've called a 2D dot an overpaid waste of space, you haven't really played any chump, man. <laughs> it even had the um, the high ball. I love the high ball. <laughs> like when it gets closer. When it, when it comes towards you. <laughs> it's an uh, immersive experience. No stone unturned. Um, so, um, again, what, again, what I like about 0304 as well is that like 0102, it has a number of uh, sort of cult players, if you like, um, which is sometimes lacking from some versions. So, um, I've I've listed some purely from memory. I know you've got a few more we're going to go through, but just for uh, just to humour me, really, can you tell me what you remember about these players? So, uh, the first one on my list is uh, someone we hopefully will be interviewing later in this podcast, which is Lionel Morgan, who I think started as a, yeah. a winger at Wimbledon. Left winger at Wimbledon, yeah, yeah, and they're they're in um, straight away at the start of the game. They're in debt. Um, and then it they, they go it gradually gets worse for Wimbledon. It's a good fun save actually to try and get them out and keep hold of him. He's he's yeah left winger. He's him and Rio Coca oh, yeah. both at Wimbledon. Um, but as soon as they, as soon as they go into that, you can pick him up. Pick him up for hundred grand, Morgan. Um, yeah, stick him on your wing and he's assists and all sorts and he's racks up plenty of twenties by the end of the year. Um, yeah, he's a good player. He's very good, very cheap early on as well. Yeah. Useful. I think is this again? You know better than me. Is this the game where a lot of the sort of football league clubs are struggling financially because of you know the idea of digital collapse and things are kind of not great in the lower leagues? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like on the on um, oh one up two, you got Rushton on the six million budget. You, you're not getting that on oh three or four. <laughs> There's no one like that. No, I do vaguely remember trying to get probably someone like 
Norwich out of the championship and uh, them just having not a pot to piss in, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so the next one on my list is uh, is a, a Thai striker called Supat Rungratasami, Rungr- Rungr- I'm going to say. That... Rungratasami. Nah, that's probably the more cultured way than my Geordie tones. Rungratasami. Yeah, yeah. 15-year-old Pompey player. Um, and the, the good thing about this game as well, that you were saying how to compare to the other ones, the earlier ones, they've got unprotected contracts on a lot of the younger players, which... If you're the if you're the clubs owning the younger players, it's not so good. But if you're a, a team with money, you can just swoop in and sign. There's a, there's a group of them at the start that if you've got a bit of money to to left to, to spare, you just need to sign them on. He's one of them. Um, so you got Super Rungrat Sami, um, Aaron Lennon, Tom Huddleston, Lee Holmes, um, Estefania from Sociedad, and they're all 16. Casper Schmeichel as well, um, and they're all 16. You can just buy them for. You can if you can offer them a contract straight away, um, and then you know if you're half decent, you, you, I mean you can get them lower down if you give them a massive wage and sign on and stuff. But um, yeah, Super, he's he's a bit of a legend of the game. I, I remember googling him; he did actually have a career. He did he did exist. He did have a career, <laughs> but mainly in the Thai leagues. But no, he was good. He was a good player. Yeah, I remember he took my that Norwich team I mentioned to uh, to Champions League glory. I think he was one of the main reasons I ended up with a statue outside Carroll Road. Um, <laughs> I mean, his stats were terrible as well. Yeah, it's really one, I, bad. I remember like looking up on a forum to try and find some players to sign. And someone said this guy, and I was like, "Well, he looks rubbish." But again, with Norwich having no money, I was like, "Well, what's what's to lose here?" So, yeah, um, so it obviously worked out well. Um, another one is a guy called Toledo, who was a Brazilian, who I think was Toledo, a. Yeah, from- like a forward right centre or something, was he? That's the one, yeah, from Catanzaro, I think it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, again, you could pick him up for a couple hundred K at the start of the game. He's, his stats are fairly poor, but he's, he's absolutely rapid. Uh, he's rapid, he's, he's got, he's got, I suppose they're not poor, I guess, that his, his acceleration is high, possibly 20, pace is 20, and his finishing is about 18 as well, and he's a good dribbler. So, I mean, obviously, hearing that, you're thinking his stats sound brilliant, but the rest of them are fives and fours and whatnot, but, <laughs> You put him, you put him right wing, and he's yeah, he's he's pretty good. But you can't sign him lower down the leagues. He'll go, he'll go elsewhere in Brazil. So I think the top couple of leagues you can get him. Um, but he's so cheap and he's brilliant. Yeah, uh, he did a job for me. Um, so speaking of rapid as well, we've got Tijani Babangida, who I feel has been a legend on every single video game ever at some point or another because purely he loved pace twenty, <laughs> and everyone loves that. When you look at him first off, he he looks he looks really really good, and he's got all those twenties in the right places for a a winger. Uh, I, I've never been a fan of him. I've never seen him have a really good game. He's never been up there with Lennon or you know with Toledo or any other right wingers for me. Um, he's often left to rot in Barcelona B <laughs> um, for, for, till, till he's about twenty six, uh, and by then it's gone. So he's he's not one that I'm a big fan of. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's good on all of them, isn't he, basically? I know. I think I had him for... I seem to had a very short shelf life. I think he must have been... Probably by the time this came out, must have been getting on a little bit. And um, with him being all physical, like, as soon as he hits an age, that kind of disintegrates. But, yeah. Um, again, yeah. we're going back a lot of the years here. Um, now, the next one was kind of a player I remember getting once, and I fell out with him because I, um, I think he must have been going on at national duty, and I was a championship club, and he... I think I requested he didn't go and he got angry with us. Uh, so it's Evandro Roncato, who I think was a Brazilian forward of some sort. Yeah, striker. He's at um, Guarani. 
Garani to start off with, green team. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's good. He's that way. He's like a, yeah, he's, he's very good striker. He's just got a 20 for finishing and he's young. And if you play, he's one of those, if you play him, he's only going to get better and better. Um, it's very, you can't get him on a work permit to start off with if you're English, or, you know, if you're in an English league or a league that requires them. You can't get him for a long time. Uh, as soon as, as soon as you can get him or you're at a club that can, that can do it without work permits, yeah, you get him signed up and get him playing. Yeah, he's good. You, you need to play him, like, because I have had many saves where I've signed him. Uh, I've just sort of left him to fester for a couple of years. <laughs> you come back to him and he's just, he's just, he isn't good enough. <laughs> um, so who, who have I missed and who's, uh, who, who's been doing your short, short list if you were starting again? Anatoly Todorov is one that people are probably shouting if they listen to this. He's Anatoly Todorov and Kakalov from Litex. Um, they're both, they were both very, very famous within the community at the time for being the best two players on the game I thought certainly Todorov was um, Bulgarian he's a lot like um, Sigalko on um, 0102 he's a lot like him he's, you need a work permit for him and it gets turned down left right and centre but if you get him in he's absolutely brilliant um, absolutely brilliant is that the Todorov um, who ended up at Pompey in real life or is it a different no team? that's that's a slab I oh, think right, that's, okay. that's, an old, that's a different one yeah this is Todorov again I, it's similar to Rungrat's arm. He, he has really still played and he played till fairly recently. Um, but he didn't, you know, didn't particularly do anything. He certainly wasn't the greatest player in the world. Um, <laughs> Daniel, Bra- Daniel Brathen. Oh, yes. A lot of Norwegians. Daniel Brathen was, I mean, he's unreal on the game. Um, I think I think that's another thing I like about this 3 or 4 that I loved. It. There was a large pool of players that were really, really good, that had a really high ceiling. There was, there was a big pool of them, it felt like to me. Um, and even if you didn't get Brathen in, you could get Gamps Pedersen in for the left wing, or you could get Lionel Morgan in. Um, and there was just a, a big long list of them that all had a similar, really high ceiling um, if you played them and gave them the game time. Um, yeah, and they were he was he was brilliant, Brathen. He was one that I loved. Yeah, I like you mentioned. I like you mentioned Gareth Pedersen there because it was always a great thing when a player who was great on champ ended up getting signed by um, you know an actual yeah. Premier League club, and he thought, Yeah, I remember yeah. him signing when it was Blackburn, wasn't it? I remember him signing. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And you're just thinking, you're just playing champ manager, <laughs> scouting yeah. it all. Yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but again, as you say, very good. I do wonder, like it's the same with uh, with ninety seven, ninety eight. There's a load of good Norwegian players. Um, and we've put it down to there being a Norwegian version of the game where they had to make the database uh, sort of, you know, like on a par with playing the English Premier League or else what would be the point? Like it would be very difficult to, to justify playing that game and we think they just used the same database. Do you think it was something similar here or do you think the Norwegian researchers were just... Maybe, but like, uh, like I was discussing before we um, before we got into the depths of things, um, there's, a team on, there's a team on the game who... I mean, I've I, I played the game for about 12 years before I even found out about this team. Um, I had no idea until, until I'd say about five or six years ago um, about this team, Sparta, Sarpsborg, the Norwegian side, they're an amateur side. You can't, um, you can't take them as manager. You can't do anything with them because I think it only has two Norwegian leagues, which is more than enough. Um, but this team, if anyone's got the game and they haven't heard of this team, I implore anyone to go and have a look at their squad and just look at the number of 20s that are in these players. So there must be some Norwegian producer or scout or something just taking the mick because there's, there's a bunch of 14-year-olds at this team, Sparta Salzburg, who you can pick up for any club, and we're talking any club, 
I, I do I do it regularly with RMI. Um and you can sign them for twelve K, ten K for free. Um and they are they are by far and away just cheap players. They are the best players on the game, stats wise, by a country mile. Um they're brilliant. You've got Roshock, you've got Christiansen, old Martin Christiansen, JR, just a kid called JR on it. Um, and weirdly enough, there's a kid called Nessie on it. Um, he's a striker, Nessie, 14, N E S S I. Obviously, the coincidence is ridiculous. And he's brilliant. They're all absolutely brilliant. So I only found this out fairly recently in my Chapman career. So if anyone hasn't actually played with them or seen them yet, then you've got all three or four, then go and load up the Norwegian League and just, uh, and obviously just, just buy them all. Buy the whole team. Buy the whole of them. Um, yeah, so, yeah, they're brilliant. Norway, brilliant. Am I right in saying uh, Freddie Adu was on this version as well? This was one of his first, if not the first, appearance of Freddie Adu? Uh, he was. He was a free transfer, 14 year old, free transfer. Um, you have to load a South American league. Um, to get him but yeah he was there he's he's very very good on it as you can imagine at that time he was all the rage no definitely I remember oh, I, I remember him and uh, Fabio Paim from Sporting Lisbon who was also about 14, yeah. 14 or 15 I think and he yeah yeah no you're right there Paim yeah but for, yeah Freddie did it for free and you can get him straight away he's, <laughs> he's a bit silly really you just, you've got him there for 20 years then yeah like, it's not, it's not, for 20 years. <laughs> it's not bad as it's 20, 20 years at Lee RMI in your case <laughs> yeah that's it yeah. <laughs> um, so of all these wonderful players was there a, a tactic you would play I mean I seem to remember there was, was it was it Diablo for this version or was that a different version or was it Diablo was this one yeah I think Churchy that um, not a Roma striker Alessio Churchy he's also a 16 year old he was what everyone associated with Diablo. So I think when it was created, the Diablo tactic, it was put online um, with Churchy in the you know the cheat role of AMC, and he scored. And there were you know there were screenshots and people using him, and he was scoring over 100 goals every season um, as, as a 16 year old, mm-hmm. and he did it relentlessly for again 20 years with this tactic. Um, I, I didn't actually use the Diablo tactic. I think when I was back playing on it back in the day, I, I didn't have. I didn't have that sort of awareness to go and look online yeah. and get get the, get the tips and things. Maybe for players, but I guess it was different online then back then, wasn't it? But um, for players and things and tactics, I, I tended to make up my own. Um, I always played gung ho. It's my way of playing. I always had gung ho on permanently. Um, I'd play a. I usually play four one two one two, um, narrow, but with the two central midfielders having arrows all the way up and out wide, practically making it 4-1-1-4. One, one, um, just because if I've got the strikers in that I've got signed up and I've got the midfielders like these ridiculous 14-year-olds from Norway, then you can play You can play four at the back and then everyone else attacking. Um, yeah, I always, I always like to challenge myself. My, my challenge every... Well, not, not right at the start, but my challenge... Throughout my general later years, and most of the time when I was three or four, was to have a better goal difference than points gained. Um, and I always found that fun. So I just I just attacked constantly because I just found it an interesting challenge. Um, hard to do, but it's it's good, yeah. So 4 one 2 one 2 gung-ho. All gung-ho, all the time. No, fair play. <laughs> Kevin Keegan would be proud of you with that. Um, uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. 
so what's been your do you have a standout save from from all three or four of the years? Is the one that you've kind of you know got further than any other or uh, I, I played I played so many of them because I yeah. I don't I don't play I don't play on them for ever and ever. See some people doing hundred year challenges and things like that. I I tend to get bored. I like the early game. Mm, yeah. Uh, I like I like that early the first I'd say seven seasons and then I'm I'm pretty bored of it. I want to change it up again then. Um, but I'd say I'd say I like the Lee RMI saves. Um, I was I was born in Lee, so I had, weirdly enough I actually went on to manage um, Lee RMI, but um, in real life. So I did. I, uh, oh well. I, yeah, the, I'd say Lee RMI. They folded. It was it was the the remade team, so Lee, the Lee Genesis right, using yeah. the academy from Lee RMI. Um, I, I managed them semi-professionally, which. I didn't obviously I didn't know at the time, but yeah, a strange twist of, of fate there. Um, but <laughs> liked having the RMI because it was my hometown team, um, and just taking them all the way up because they had no money. The players are, I mean, shocking. They they had no cash at the bottom, so I, I always like taking them up all the way to the top. Uh, so I'd say that was my that was probably my favourite type of save. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you can't beat a top, uh, bottom to top save, can you? That's always the kind of the aim. Um, so are you still involved with the you know the real world of football now, or was that just a fleeting fancy? No, it was for a few years. Did it for about three years. <laughs> That's why I've uh, got Mourinho on my uh, my Twitter name. I look like a potato. They said I managed like Mourinho, <laughs> so I got the name Potato Mourinho. Um, so that's why I'm seeing Mourinho. I'm not a United fan or anything, Evertonian in fact. But uh, yes, yeah, um, Potato Mourinho. Um, I managed it for a few years and then um, babies and. Job came in. It's not easy running a semi-pro team. <laughs> no, I can imagine it's easy not. A lot, a lot of work for well, a free gig. Definitely, definitely easier to pick up players on uh, three or four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some yeah. No fourteen-year-old Norwegians. <laughs> oh well, I bet there are. You're just uh, not not allowed to do that sort of thing these days. <laughs> um, um, all right. So you mentioned it there on Twitter at the minute. You're. Uh, you're kind of in the world of a one or two. Um, is it fair to say you're the, the chairman of the current challenge? Is that fair? Or? I, am the ch- I am the chairman. So, yeah. so can you explain what this is all about? Because it's uh, it, it's gone over my head, and I always join these things too late. But uh, it, lo- <laughs> it always looks interesting. Yeah, well, there's there's been loads of races, and I I joined in at the start of lockdown. I've that's I've only started playing a one or two at the start of lockdown. Um, I got myself an Android phone, so I managed to put it on my phone, which is why I saw that you could you could get that one on your phone. So I, I did it. Um, I was joining a few races, uh, really enjoying them. I didn't know about this Wibwob thing on a one or two because being on three or four, I'm used to banging in eight goals a game and <laughs> enjoying it because I've just because of the knowledge base I built up over twenty years or whatever. So when I realised that I was doing these races playing Wibwob and people were getting a bit fed up with. I guess people like me <laughs> um, going through seasons and winning every single game in the season. I thought, well, I'm not. I don't really like that, so I'll I'll I'll, I'll stop doing that. And I'm, I came up with an idea called the chairman, um, where we're not racing. So then other people can use Wibwob if they want. If they don't have to, they can use whatever tactics they want. Um, and I, I've just created a set of challenges and a bit of a persona called the chairman, where I just set the challenges and send them. Um, set them texts. I put them up on texts um, every few days. I give them some weird and wonderful challenges to, to do with their team, um, and it's just a bit like a, a bit like a soap, a bit, a bit like a soap opera, 
arranged because <laughs> I wanted to try something different to give everyone a break from the uh, race, race, race of the Champions League because uh, the more experienced players are always going to win that. The, the people know who to buy, they know what to do to win. Um, and a lot of the newer players were, were joining the race and just finishing bottom. And I think people were not necessarily getting fed up because that sounds like I'm criticising the guys who've gone before me. And I'm not because their races were brilliant. Um, but I think some people were getting fed up and there's a bit of moaning going on about um, yeah people not playing fairly and stuff. So I just thought I'd try and create one that isn't centred on the league performance. It's more centred on keeping me happy as the chairman <laughs> by doing all these stupid tasks like constantly playing David Fox. <laughs> um, never letting him be dropped as he's my son on the you know that's the persona I've gone with right, yeah. I don't know all sorts of weird and wonderful things but it, it seems to be going down well people are, are really enjoying it and getting on board and it's about 30 people playing along which is nice for someone who's very new to the community like me <laughs> it's, it's nice to see oh, it's, it's brilliant it's, uh, I always catch them before like when they've already started and kind of similar to you it's like well you know baby job um Maybe I'll give this. I'll get the next one, and then you know I end up missing that to start yeah. that one, and then so I'm just a just a happy spectator. But uh, it certainly sounds interesting. You know, fair play to you for uh, for mixing it up and keeping keeping the game going, really. Because as you say, you can yeah, get so, you yeah. can get very samey. Um, it's the one criticism I have of you know any of the the communities that every every save I see, it's it's the same. You know, basic starting eleven. Um, there's a, there's a lot of the same players end up in the in the same positions, um, and obviously you know they, everyone knows they're going to score goals. Um, That's it. I'm banning. I banned a lot of them from my race, pretty much. Yeah. I've uh, set them as set them as too many limits for them to get the normal players. <laughs> if I see them more with a normal player, then I uh, I set a rule where they have to sell them. <laughs> so, well, good one. It's only right. Um, so yeah, that's how long has that been run for? Went does it have an end date, or is it just run indefinitely? Yeah, it was, um, again, a lot of the other ones were racing to the Champions League. So whenever a few people got to Champions League, and people always won it first time with the likes of Hereford and Scarborough and things like that. So there was a definite end date there. So I, I said right at the start, I said we're going to do it for four years. It's a four-year contract you've got. Um, your job is to please me, not to win football games. Um, so <laughs> it um, will be. We're on season. I think we're on season two. I can't even remember. I think we're halfway through, so probably about another week. I, I give people plenty of days to do it again because I don't want it to be a chore. Mm. You know, having to log on and play half a season because the race leader says so and stuff. It's some people. I think we're, we're t- finding that tiresome, so I, I tend to spread it out a bit more. Um, one season over three or four days just to give everyone a chance. Yeah, make it a bit more enjoyable, I guess. Oh, definitely. More laid back. That makes sense. Um, I'm going to ask you about Wibwab because uh, last month we had a few, or one or two um, enthusi- yeah. enthusiasts on, and they didn't really know what Wibwab. Well, they kind of knew what it was, but didn't really uh, go into what the advantages yeah, I mean, disadvantages they are. I didn't know if it was a diplomatic answer or not. Um, I felt like yeah. I was I was kind of poking a bear. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. in, in your view, um, you know. I mean, even I know it's you know you got you got your with ball, you got your without ball, little um, p- yeah. pitch if you like. What's the? Circles. I mean, I say I'm new to one or two. There'll be people far more knowledgeable than I am, clearly. But um, yeah, it's 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 in the little grid on the tactics screen, isn't it? You can click on with ball, without ball, and basically you put all of your when you're attacking. I think, and people probably call call me out here. When you're attacking, you put all of your players basically. Maybe not your defenders, I don't know. All of your midfield and attack in the box. So they all attack the box. Um, and it just breaks the um, 
the game engine, apparently. The AI can't deal with it. And you do win every game. You win absolutely every single game uh, that you play. And you score shed loads of goals. Um, which I, I found quite fun, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. as a newcomer. I found really enjoyable. But I guess if you've been playing it for as long as some of these guys have on Twitter, then it probably gets a bit boring and they, they want to set themselves a challenge. But, I mean, I, I really enjoyed doing it. So does, um, does that mean when these lads play the Super League and stuff, are they... I don't know if you might not know, but does that mean they're all just doing banned. the same thing? I think, or it's banned, I think, it's banned, I think uh, because they had a they had a recent one that was going called the Rivals, which is a really cool concept. Yes, yep. And then I think that got disbanded after a couple of weeks because okay, I think it was. I think they said. I think they, I think the chairman of the race up the, the owner said that people can win Bob if they want. It's, it's it's they're allowed, and others didn't know. And obviously, after two games or whatever, and they've been wibbed. Two games, no bottom of the league, or they were knocked out. Or I can't remember the. I was early. It was early on in my my joining the game, but I think by then they'd, they'd got fed up, and they, I think they had to stop it, which was a shame because it was a really cool idea. Um, yeah, I know Alan was a bit disappointed that he you know didn't get off the way it might have done because he obviously was a lot of planning went into it. Um, I think it was Alan yeah. and, and Russell, maybe I can't remember who it was. That's right. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope they bring it back or something. It was. It was a shame. They just, I guess. Clear rules from the start on it, maybe, I don't know. Well, not sure. to be honest, I think we talked about this last month, but after what lockdown started in March, we we found in like the 97, 98 community, people were, uh, I don't know, what, maybe a little bit tired of Champ after, you know, basically three solid months of doing this, that and the other, and I think uh, there were some instances where people had just overplayed it and were maybe a bit a bit you know, tired of the the various bugs and things that come up. And yeah, it, that's fair enough. I I, I, I've never, I've never actually set up with Bob. I've never actually done it because on I'm, I play, I played for the first week on my laptop, but after that was on Android. So on my phone, I can't actually do with Bob. Ah, I can't any of the drop down menus, in fact. So <laughs> I would tend to get them off the internet. I would tend to get the tactics off the internet. So I was just researching on the internet, like possibly some other players are doing, just finding out what's a good tactic without reading why it's a good tactic, plugging and playing it. Um, for that instant success and then obviously I've realised someone told me literally last week they showed, I showed them a formation they said oh yeah so that's with Bob and every player then and I was like well, how do you know that and apparently it's something to do with the little icons um, they are bolder I think it is that you can see an outlining on them on the tactics screen that shows that they have been tampered with um, so I said oh, enough I'll, <laughs> now no. I know what I'm looking for <laughs> no I didn't know that I would say my, the extent of my tactical knowledge is to put the square in the middle of both boxes and be like well they're in the middle of the pitch. I've like, <laughs> got no idea. I don't even know how you do that. It's, well, from memory, it's either a right click or a left click on the square of the pitch you want them in. And that was as far as I went with it. And I can't do left clicks on Android, so... Ah, right. <laughs> yes. You are uh, officially off the hook for, uh, for any of those, yeah. any of that. Um, I guess we should probably talk about the... Uh, the newer game, so Football Manager. So with 0304, it was the last game in the uh, IDOS Sports Interactive Partnership. Uh, after this, they split, and we had Champman 5, which was from IDOS, and it was one of the worst games ever released. If you haven't ever played it, try and pick it up. I don't think I did, no. No, it's, um, it's like, it is like a budget Football Manager. Um, it's just poor in every way, although apparently it was patched to be fixed, but I never... Stuck around long enough to see that. He lost you. Yeah, because uh, Football Manager 2005, or 05 it was probably called, was released around the same time and was infinitely better. 
Uh, and obviously everyone else agreed because we still have player football manager or still football manager still released to this day. Um, whereas the Chapman series is basically dead as far as I know. I don't even know who owns the rights these days. But uh, oh, wouldn't it be good if they released one? Just out, out the blue, just came back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think uh, I didn't. I think I did play um, a few of the FMs. I think I played a few of them. That they were those early ones. When you said 05, then it rings a bell. I think I, I might have sporadically played. You know, once every once every other year, got one of them. But I think, I guess, like everybody, when when I when I realised that every time I loaded it up, my laptop overheated and the fan couldn't handle it. I thought, surely this game is not good for my computer. And it was just taking so long. Everything took so long to play, um, and my computer was always making these ridiculous word noises. <laughs> like, I mean, no game is worth breaking my laptop over. No, I mean, that, was, that was actually one of the reasons why I gave gave it up for it to go back to ninety seven, ninety eight, many years ago now. But I was, when we bought our first house. Me and my now wife was probably just we were just engaged back then, and. Uh, we didn't have like a desk. It was quite a small house, so I didn't have like a table to sit at. So I used to just sit uh, either in bed or on the sofa or whatever, playing this game. And uh, the bloody laptop was making such a racket. I think she threw it out one night and said, "Go play something else." Like, and that was, and that was uh, kind of the beginning of the end. I was like, "Well, That's it. I, used to have a, I used to have a tray, like a big tray, like a oh, yeah. tray, oh, yeah. and then yeah. I had to clip a desk fan to it right next to the <laughs> fan on the computer just to try and get a couple of games in. And uh, yeah, like I said, I just thought it's, it's taking up too much, um, too much energy from the computer. So, no, uh, that was yeah. uh, I, mem- I remember that well. That was the, definitely the straw that put the camel's back leg. But yeah, me too. I, no, I still, I still, I still get them every year, and you know, I, I, now I have a desk. It's not so much of an issue, but uh, but uh, uh, it never gets more of a plan than maybe a few weeks around around Christmas when I'm off. But. Uh, even that's probably a thing of the past. Now we have. Uh, yeah. Now we I have. Think I did get one like you. I think I did get one on the um, two or three. Well, two or three years ago, maybe two years ago. I think I did actually buy it on. It's on Steam, isn't it? You just yeah. Get one. yeah. Uh, it's, it's quite on easy. Steam now. It's. Uh, um, but, um, I just yeah. I played. I played a bit with it, and a few of my mates are into it, and I've just got no interest. Oh, it's not. It's too much for me. <laughs> oh well, this is it. It's. Uh, it's nice. It, uh, they're still very good games. Don't get us wrong. I can totally get why, why people still spend so much time on them. But uh, it, it's a it, it is like a job. It's uh, you've got to put a lot. Yeah. You've, got, you've got to put a lot I in. To, I guess that's the point, isn't it? Well, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, you cannot knock it for for, uh, for accuracy. Realism. Yeah, exactly. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about while you're here to do with Champ or anything you're up to at the minute or anything at all, really? Um, no. I mean, I guess if if anyone out there is interested in all three or four because from what i can see the um i mean like you say it was a popular one but what i can see the player base is is pretty much non-existent that i can see anyway on twitter or in social media or wherever whereas you look around for 97 98 or one or two and there's there's plenty of people still playing it i'm i'm more than happy to play a challenge or a race or a like a joint save with someone, you know, like a, we both load up the same team. If anyone's got any interest in that, because I know about to be fair, my brother probably would as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, I would, I would, I would very much enjoy that. If anyone's got any questions or, or anything, then I'm by no means the most knowledgeable person in the world about it. But my enthusiasm takes me. <laughs> any questions? Yeah, follow my Twitter. I'm a one or two at the moment doing CM Mourinho, but. If anyone does want to play up three or four, I'm more than happy to play with you, um, alongside you. More than happy. Yeah. That sounds like a 
planning planning itself. Um, I'm actually going to go and install it after this. You've uh, you've piqued my interest with this Salzburg amateur team. Well, get Honestly, get <laughs> let me know as well. You let me know on Twitter. I'll I will. How it's going. Um, do just in case anyone does want to play this game, will you need any of the patches, or will it run off the box? Or no, I run off the original. There are patches. There's like no CD patches and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think if you download an ISO and just run it on a mounted, oh, I've, I've got an ISO. It's Done. That's all right, and I've got the CD, so hopefully it'll just install and everything. Everything will be grand. But uh, I'll let you there know. Are, there are updated, updated databases. I think I did find some. I think Turkey's really. I know you mentioned it about like, oh, one or two as well. Having a big Turkish player base, I think the Turkish. There's a, bit, there's a Turkish database that has players from about three or four years ago, which I did to try at one point. Um, but I don't, and that was just a simple patch that was easy enough to do. Um, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. I'd stick with the original and uh, load the Norwegian League. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you. I think with all these old games, most of the beauty is in the nostalgia of the in the database and uh, you know knowing the players who were there rather than what another editor has decided is good for you know that particular year they've built in. It's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Liam, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Really enjoyed our chat, and uh, I'll catch you on Twitter. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. So I'm joined now by who, in my opinion, is the greatest Lionel ever to play football. He is former Wimbledon and England Youth National, and he is Mr. Lionel Morgan. How are you, sir? Not bad, not bad. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, yeah very good. Uh, thanks again for uh, for joining us here on, on the podcast. Uh, people will probably know you as uh, a bit of a protege on it was the three or four version of Championship Manager where you were at Wimbledon, you were a left winger and uh, putting it mildly, people were quite happy to take advantage of, of Wimbledon's plate at the time, pick you up, yeah. pick you up on the cheap and uh, you would go on to win the world with uh, with whichever club you were managing, which was always enjoyable. Um, we'll start off with sort of with the game and all that kind of stuff. Was it something you were always aware of or was it just kind of thrust upon you one day that you were this, this superstar within the game? Yeah, it sort of pointed out to me because uh, when I was young, I never had a, 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 sort of a PC anyway. So it was, there was a friend of mine um, that lived on my road opposite me. Um, his older brother always had a championship manager. Um, and so we used to go around and play it sort of with him. Um, but no, it wasn't something I sort of knew really at the beginning. It was more people sort of would, you know, let me know or sort of tell me and um, yeah, it was, it was quite weird, obviously, because <laughs> the game and uh, at that time you're sort of, um, you know, trying to progress yourself as a professional, as a young professional. But obviously this game had this, like this massive following, mm. um, you know, sort of like FIFA nowadays, if you like. And so it, it seemed like a big thing at the time. Um because, you know, the, the amount of people that played the game, it was, it was such a big game, uh, not just in England, but, you know, anywhere in the world, really, um, especially in Europe. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a <laughs> weird sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I bet. Yeah, and did, um, did you ever get any sort of crazy fans getting in touch with you to say, you know, you've, you've done this, this and this for us on, on a game, or is it, uh, has that just come later on? 
it came sort of later on because obviously back then social media wasn't as prominent as it is now but we used to get fan mail we <laughs> <laughs> get fan mail championship manager fan mail come through when I was in the youth team which is quite weird <laughs> well you can't knock it can you it's, uh, it's uh, you can't well, that's the thing with championship manager fans they're, uh, they're very loyal to uh, to anyone who, who does well for them so <laughs> yeah. um, so at the time we're talking sort of early 2000s you were part of Wimbledon's youth team um, you were getting into the England under 19s under 20 teams um, at what point did you um, start getting considered for the Wimbledon sort of first team and making your breakthrough I'm guessing Wimbledon must have been championship or first division back then yeah so we were in the Premier League um, you know as I was sort of coming up as a schoolboy um, and then I remember us getting relegated but the funny story actually I haven't really told any anyone like just a few friends and stuff but we, we played Arsenal away um, the first team played Arsenal away at Highbury and um, there was a, a bit of a dispute about whether I was going to you know stay at the club and move on or what have you but I remember getting a call at school to say um, I was going to be part of the squad um, for Arsenal for Arsenal for, for Wimbledon at Arsenal and sort of report to the um, to the stadium. The thing is, I was at school and I never got they never passed the message. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it was just crazy. So I probably wouldn't have played again. You know, a lot of the times you're sort of seventeenth man, you sort of you know go out and do the warm up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was uh, that was um, sort of like the first time um, sort of getting any sort of recognition really. Um, that something might happen in the future and then we get relegated um i then become a uh a scholar and uh you know little bits and pieces training with the first team from time to time and then um yeah sort of that season um doing really well in the reserves uh training with the first team and then you know at 17 uh, they sort of you know decided that they were that I've, done, you know, I've done well enough to sort of come in and, and make my debut. Yeah, and uh, obviously things were going pretty well, as I said in the in the intro there. You were playing for England uh, youth level at this kind of time. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, you came across a few injuries. Um, was was it the case of one injury, just sort of was a big injury and it kept coming back, or was it like a few, like a combination of injuries over time? So initially, the first injury I ever had was... Um, or major I've had was again Benyat's crew in the first team. Uh, no, in fact, before that, I actually I I was I think I played in the first team game and then I played in an under 19s game. Um, that we were debating whether I should be playing in that game or not, but I wanted to play. Um, and I, I broke my ankle in that game. Oh, that right. was the first that I had. Yeah, um, come back from that. That was fine. And then, um, yeah, I was playing against crew in the first team. And I remember dropping my shoulder, going from sort of one direction to the other. And then um, feeling this massive sort of like pain in my knee. Um, I remember the physio coming out and sort of going, come on, get up, like, you can get on with it. And I was like, I can't move. <laughs> um, but I knew I'd done something, you know, because yeah. the physio hair anything. And I, I remember that I did actually. I heard like a almost like a snap, you know. Um, so 
So obviously I've come out of there, I've walked off the pitch, I've sort of walked out of the stadium sort of thing. So I'm thinking it can't be that bad, you know. Get the scan and yeah, I've done I've torn my cruciate ligament. Um, and I think I was either seventeen or eighteen at the time. But yeah, that was the first one. Um, and then after that I hadn't done that injury again. Then, you know, back back in the day that was, you know, quite a serious injury but actually it was quite a successful operation. I came back really strong, probably physically stronger than I was before. Yeah. Uh all the rehab and stuff. But then it was more the cartilage injuries that I kept having. Um, where they sort of nick a little bit of cartilage hair, nick a little bit of cartilage hair. And then um I guess there was some sort of instability in the knee which was creating these cartilage injuries which sort of uh, went on to become a lot worse. I see, I see. So do you think if probably a difficult question to answer, but if, if you got those injuries at this day and age, do you think it would have been picked up like sort of quicker or do you think it was just kind of the sign of the times that back then kind of you know, medical science wasn't as advanced as it maybe is now. No, I don't. I, I don't think anything's advanced that much. To mm. be honest, um, I think it's circumstance. I think it's a bit of luck. I think um, you know maybe waiting for a little bit longer. You know, sometimes yeah. um, have that having that extra month or extra six weeks. Um, at the same time, you know you're 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 a footballer. You want to get out there as quickly as possible. The, the coaches want you out there. You sort of um, medically, you're fit to go out and play. Um, but maybe it's just ha- just just being a bit more cautious. Really, could have uh, could have helped. I see. Guessing. Okay. Um, so something else I was reading about was during one of your comeback games, or certainly one of your matches, anyway. Um, there was an incident with Tim Sherwood where there was some th- a theory that they kind of picked on you as the man to get kind of thing. Um, is, yeah. is that how you understood it or has that just been sort of blown out of proportion? No, well, blown out of proportion, I wouldn't say, you know, someone uh, goes out to go and get someone, you know, but sometimes if you're if you're having a good game and I remember that game because Portsmouth were top of the league and they came down, they brought, I think, ten or 11,000 fans down with them and it was just sort of, you know, well, they're going to come down and beat us 3-0. And I remember that. We were really sort of up for that game. And we played really well. The young team we ended up beating them that night. But, you know, myself and I think it was Nigeria Coca in midfield and uh, playing against Tim Sherwood, Paul Merson and Nigel Coca. And, you know, we, we were dominating the game. And I think at half-time uh, there was some words said and shouted that, you know, apparently one of our coaches could hear and it was sort of like target him, you know, me to sort of stop him. So, yeah, so it was a naughty tackle. I remember at the time, um, and there was a few naughty tackles to burn in that game. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't say that he's, he's gone out. And to be honest with me, it wasn't, it, it didn't sort of contribute to any of my long-term issues, you know. Yeah, sure. Oh, I was just curious. I was, I was doing some research the other night, and it came up that uh, you know there'd been this incident, but it sounds like it was just kind of a an in the game, heat the moment kind of thing, rather than uh, anything premeditated, anything as such. Um, so um, during this time as well, um, how close were you to joining uh, Tottenham Hotspur? I know this is well, come on to you being an Arsenal fan, but just for, for how close was the, was the Tottenham move? 
Yeah, the Tottenham thing happens, well, almost happened three times. So the first one, um, the club just literally said, no, we're not accepting the bid, simply because um, I think at that time I'd played, or I'd made three appearances for the first team. Oh, well. And uh, one of my um, old teammates for England, Jermaine Dina, had just moved to Nottingham Forest. No, sorry, from Nottingham Forest to Newcastle. Oh, yeah. For four million pounds and um, I think the, the thinking was the bid that the club made um, for me they would they would have accepted it had that not had happened um, with Jermaine Gina so I think they sort of said look you know, if, he's, if he's worth four million then you know I'm worth four million but my argument at the time and there was an argument was I played three games or so Jermaine Genus was captain of Nottingham Park, hadn't played 30-odd games. Um, so the club sort of knew what they were doing. I'm talking about Nottingham Forest. I think they were doing the right thing. They made him captain, made him high profile. Uh, they played him in every game. And so, for me, it was a normal thing for them to sort of accept such a, you know, high bid. Uh, for me, having played two or three matches in the first team, I don't think it was acceptable for a club to spend that much money. Um uh, years later, I spoke to one of my old managers or coaches, Stuart Robson, who said um, he spoke to David Plew initially, and they were actually going to put in the £2 million bid, and he advised them that he didn't need to spend that much money. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just, so that was the first time. Um, the second time was obviously when the administration, and as you said, sort of alluded to earlier with the sort of championship manager thing. It was, that, that's exactly what was happening. The clubs were coming in for our players, um, literally offering next to nothing, knowing that um, the club would have to pretty much accept any bid for almost any player. Um, and I failed a medical that, that second time. So I had like a two-day medical uh, in a hospital in central London somewhere. And uh, yeah, I failed a medical and that was it really. You know, once you fail a medical, then it, it, you know it's really difficult for any club really to sort of um, you know take you um, on a long-term contract or even pay a decent fee for a player because it changes a lot of things. Mm. Yeah, you even see that uh, to this day, though, really, don't you? Where players kind of get tarred with the brush if you fail a medical. I think like Demba Bar is probably the most recent example of someone who. Yeah failed a medical and he obviously went on to have a good career elsewhere but it was always kind of stigma he couldn't get a long term contract anywhere because of it yeah that's a shame um, and did you say there was a third time as well yeah the third time they just said come in get fit um, and we'll offer you a contract but I, I refused simply because one of the old um, John Goodman the fitness coach at Wimbledon had moved to um Palace and um, he was the manager at the time I think it was Ian Dowie so I spoke to him and they just said look come down get fit I'll get you fit and you know you, you get yourself in the team sort of thing so it was more of sort of like that familiar um, familiarity really yeah. with, with people um, and naturally the physio had moved there as well which was a really important one Paul Hunter had moved to, to Crystal Palace so I was there for about six months trying to get fit and that never worked out Ah, right, I see. Um, so we mentioned Wimbledon's kind of financial troubles. Um, 
Were you still there when they when they were rebranded the MK Dons, or was that slightly um, after you had left? Yeah. So, yeah, I was part of the move actually. We went up there. Um, I remember training up there at this sort of old hockey stadium. Um, so I was there. I was there for a couple of months um, after uh, the move. Yeah, it was a bit of a crazy time. Yeah, I was going to ask how how much was it known that it was going to happen like within the club because uh, obviously the fans were not on board yeah. with it to say the least um, yeah. well I, I don't know I think for most players they're sort of, a lot of the time you're last to know a lot of these things yeah. um, there was some talk about the club being sort of relocated up to, to Milton Keynes but obviously no one really believed it you know because it, it, as far as I know it never really had happened before no no uh, and so it was a it was a bit of a weird situation, but I remember a couple of months before it happened, um, we we had a, a discussion with I think it was Pete Winkleman, the chairman, who uh, was the most enthusiastic person I've ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, a guy just the most enthusiastic person, um, and I remember actually, yeah, we we actually went down to Milton Keynes as a squad. Um, and it was almost like come down, have a look, and you work out, and this, that, and the other. And it was, yeah, it was. It's weird because obviously, one, it had never happened before. Two, I think the fans had started to find out what was going on, and not just Wimbledon fans, but fans up and down the country were, were obviously against it because no club wants to be sort of ripped out of the, the community and relocated, you know, a hundred miles up the road. Essentially, you know, no. In the club. It's it's a totally bizarre situation, like you said there. I don't mm. I don't recall another club doing it long term. I know we've had sort of clubs using stadiums as temporary measures yeah. and things, but uh, no, it, it's very strange. Um, how much of that was down? Do you think to uh, ITV Digital and the collapse and all the problems that caused? Yeah, I think that was there, but I just think more so than that. It was, it, Football club was unique in that it's a relatively young football club um, in London as well. Mm. So many clubs, and if you look at the fan base, uh, it was the smallest fan base um, you know, of all the sort of like Premier League or Championship teams. It was the smallest. You know, we we sometimes have more away fans at, at Sellers Park than than home fans. Yeah, and so. I think because of that, it was, if you were going to take any club out of, you know, its community, it would have been one with it. You know, we didn't own the grounds, we had a small fan base, um, I don't know the ins and outs of the finances of how that even happened, but you, know, you could you could almost imagine that if, you know, someone was looking at a football club to try and take or relocate, whatever, it would have been a club like ours. Mm. Yeah, I suppose when you put it like that, it kind of makes sense as to why I did it, um, or else it probably may not have been a club at all. Um, of course, the fans made a decision, I think, as I understand it, mostly to go to AFC Wimbledon. I don't know if any stuck with MK Dons. I, it was a hell of a commute, I guess, but uh, yeah. I don't know what how that would have shaken out, but uh, it's interesting. It's uh, nice to get a, an inside view on it. Um, so... Uh, after playing, did you? Did I read you went into coaching for a little bit? Yeah, I went into coaching. Um, always interested in coaching. 
um, done my badges. Um, so I coached at uh, Wingate and Finchley Football Club, which is a semi professional club there. Um, was the assistant manager there, was pretty young. But then um, yeah, that didn't work out and, and I moved on really. But coaching is something I love doing. I love coaching young youngsters even now. Um, and sort of obviously giving back and um, trying to sort of pass on the knowledge that I have to them really. Yeah. Do you think there's a is there a manager in particular who you took a lot from in terms of coaching that you would probably use as a style when you when you you know coaching you could you young kids now or if you went back into coaching whose who sort of style would you would you pick up on? Um, I wouldn't I don't know it. When we were lucky we had some really good coaches. Um and obviously well with some really good coaches. Um I don't know, just little bits of everyone, really. So Terry Burton was is a renowned coach. Like he's, he's, you know, someone that's well respected as a coach. Yeah. Uh, but really, sort of quiet and calm, and sort of um, that was that was his way. And then Stuart Robson, who used to play for Arsenal, was almost like the polar opposite. Uh, really, sort of animated, um, sort of passionate, um, and sort of like a more of a, a manager. More of a manager of people uh, but in a very sort of particular way in the way that he sort of um, almost you know he'd push your buttons some people you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Push your buttons. yeah you'd want to push your buttons to try and sort of get a reaction out of you um, if you felt that you weren't you know you couldn't find a way in to the person more than the footballer you know yeah <laughs> is, um, is that the same Stuart Robson who's now like a core cool commentator on various sort of European games is that him yeah. Yeah. yeah oh very good um, so you mentioned it briefly during the chat there but you're, you're an Arsenal fan um, yeah. kind of a loaded question but how do you feel about things are going at the minute it kind of went from a total disaster when you lost to Brighton and then a decent run and now you're in a cup final this weekend so where, where, where do you stand currently on where Arsenal Football Club are at the moment uh. A mess, really, because obviously the league form is is terrible. Um, but obviously, you're never going to uh, pass up on a, on a cup final. We've done well to get to the cup final. Um, the performances to get to the final have been really good. Um, but it's really sort of apparent that Arsenal lack creativity, and actually, our two best performances of, of note really have been against Liverpool, and Man City, where. We've we've popped the bus if you like, mm. especially against Manchester City, um, and hit them on the counter. Where you know creativity isn't one of the things that we, we sort of need in games like that. Arsenal come unstuck when we needed to be creative. When you know we've needed to to get people one one on one situations to get people in you know in the pocket, as they say, and sort of like you know the final third. We've not been able to do that, which is which is crazy because. You know, if you speak to any Arsenal fan of a certain age, that's that that's our strength. You know, so the identity of the club really needs to go back to to doing that. And I think that's what Arteta is actually speaking about with some of the, the names that have been mentioned. He's mentioned some of the players of the past, like Rizzi, Zola, and I think um, well, I hope he, he he gets the backing because he seems to have to sort of have a 
common sense approach in, in terms of what what the club needs. Um, and he's, he's you know he's been quite vocal about it, which is good. But on the whole, we're, we're not in a good in a good space to be honest. Um, I can't see us changing, you know, for the for for a title or it's to come. And um, you know, I, I also see the likes of Chelsea, Man City, Man United getting stronger. So the gaps huge at the moment and I can't see us really bridging that gap. You mentioned creativity and of course there's one man who hasn't really featured and that's Mesut Ozil. What's your, your take on, on him? Obviously very, very creative but also maybe la- lacking a bit of heart I think probably fair to say. Yeah, I think he gets a bit of a rod Ozil to be honest because the player is a specialist. He's a specialist number 10 and they're a dying breed and after as your leaves, I don't think Arsenal will ever touch a player like that again. And you can go back to players like Matthew Letizier and um, you know, the Aliens, you know, Del Pieros and all these sort of players that are that are number tens. Yeah. And it's sort of built around them. I think in this day and age that's just it's not the case you know you, you don't really have these numbers you've got players like Kevin De Bruyne that can do a bit of everything uh, but they're athletes first and foremost and I think Arsenal and Ozil have struggled because we've not been we've not given him really a platform to go and showcase his talents because he's, he's not played with players that are you know you've got Ozil but then we've had you know the Jackers and your other players that are not you know, giving him that platform. And so I think, you know, Arsenal fans are really critical of him. I'm not critical of Ozil. I, I think Ozil is, is who he is. And if you sign a player like that, you need to then have two, you know, big, strong boys in the field that can that can run, that can tackle, that can that are, that are clever, that can cover ground. And Arsenal haven't done that. So it's no surprise that, you know, Ozil's in the situation that he's in. Yeah, you can get a lot of players who are uh, sort of very good for you know ninety percent of the game, and then you'll have a ten percent drop off, which is calamitous. Obviously, David Luiz is one. You mentioned Jacker there, who you know he's got a, a wonderful left foot, but then he just stops playing all of a sudden. And it seems like Arteta's kind of got someone like Gendouzi's number. He's figured him out quite early on and wants to ship him out. Um, who, if you could pick one player for Arsenal to go and get, realistically, this 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 uh, shortened summer transfer window, who would you who would you go and get? It wouldn't even be one. Do you think? Do you know what the Arsenal transfers that Arsenal fans we've been so, it's almost like we've been indoctrinated to think about the finances. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, the fan base is just so weird. We we look at players and we think you know uh, we can't afford that player. It, it's, it's crazy. Um, but I think. I don't know. I think we need a defender. We need a midfielder. We need. Do we need a wide player? I'm not sure. Now there's talk of Zaha. That would be a great signing, I think. But I don't know if we could find a player. Honestly, I couldn't even. There's so many problems. It's not one player. One player is not going to make any difference to Arsenal. Arsenal need three or four players to come into the starting eleven, and. Um, you know, the sort of players that I'd want are probably not going to come because they're not going to be playing Champions League. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a cast 22. I mean, obviously you've got the cup final this weekend. Um, 
is the party that thinks, well, if we lose, it's not the end of the world because we could maybe you know do without playing the Europa League next season. Yeah, part of that, part of it that way. Um, Brendan Rodgers, when he went to Leicester, um, I don't think they had the Europa League or anything like that, and he went in and coached, and I think he's a brilliant coach. I think he's one of the best in the league. Um, and it's just that distraction that you don't need, but that, at the same time, I think it gives an opportunity to the young players. You know, would we have seen Willock, um, you know, Saka coming in? It weren't for the Europa League. But actually, I think what Arteta needs is time. I think he needs time to coach. I think playing every Saturday, opposed to Saturday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, or well, it's not, it's not Tuesday or Wednesday, Champions League, but Saturday, Thursday, yeah. Sunday. Is, is not going to help him. You know, I think he needs time, and I think what he's showing is that he's a coach. You know, he loves, he loves coaching. You can see him on the on the on match days when we're having the you know, drinks breaks. You know, he's the most involved manager that I've seen so far since the you know during the break. So I think he he wants time. He wants he wants to be able to coach, and I think you know being in the Europa League is really going to help us financially, but. In the long term, Arsenal ultimately, I think, and I hope, be a positive. Well, that's it, isn't it? Unless, unless you're going to win it to get back in the Champions League, it's probably your best bet of, of getting back in is not to be in it, which is a bit uh, a bit daft, isn't it? But I, you know, totally understand the, the Thursday Sunday thing. Um, every other club, every country in Europe seems to cope with it, but England uh, don't seem as good at it for some reason. I don't know why that is, but um, never mind. Um, um, so, last question I'm going to ask you is: um, if hypothetically every game you've ever played was available to go and watch for 90 minutes on, you know, on YouTube, um, what game would you be directing people to to see the best of you? I don't know. Uh, I guess that Portsmouth game was a pretty good game for me um, because that was a, it was a high-profile game and it was a game that you know was. Um, Against the, at that time the best team in the league. Um, some of my England games were pretty decent as well. Against Germany at home, but um, to be fair, there isn't much on on YouTube. I need to, I need to put some stuff out. <laughs> no, I mean it, it, it was uh, it was hypothetical really, but I just like to know. It's just a, a daft way of asking what was your best ever game really, but uh, no, it's, uh, I'm, I'm pleased you've. you've Got a few, a few in there. Um, I suppose the, the final, final question, seeing as we started off talking about championship manager, um, was there anyone in the dressing room you were with who, who was, you know, playing this game, or was it kind of a just a thing that you were getting fan mail about? No, not in the dressing room. Um, or if they did, they didn't tell me. <laughs> uh, but no, it wasn't something. It was just more like friends and family um, that played the game. To be honest, and as I said, yeah, some 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 fan mail. Normally from um, a lot of Scandinavian countries, actually. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit wild over there. To be honest with the, with the game in particular, I mean, Nicholas, Nicholas Alexanderson, who obviously played for Sheffield Everton and stuff, was on a few months ago, and I was amazed to see he was playing it like on the bus to away games and things. And I just didn't didn't think that would really happen at, at you know <laughs> Premier League level. But there you go. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a, a worldwide game. Um, Lionel, um, where can people find you if they want to follow you on Twitter and they want to talk to you about Arsenal and Ozil and everything else that goes on? Well, uh, actually, you know what? Let me uh, 
I've got it here, hang on. You're, uh, you're Lionel underscore Morgan. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really use any other platform to be fair. Um, I know I've got a Facebook page that I've not touched in years. I wouldn't even bother with that. But yeah, <laughs> Lionel. Mostly no. talking about having a moan, to be honest. No, well, that's what Twitter's for. I mean, I'm a Newcastle fan and I've had to come off it today because there's, uh, yeah. it's meltdown city because <laughs> we're not getting taken yeah. over. So. I feel your pain about meltdowns for football clubs. So, um, Lionel, it's been really nice to talk to you. I really appreciate your time, and uh, yeah. I'll hopefully speak to you again soon. Take care. Thank you, mate. That was Dave and Lionel Morgan. Then, fantastic, fantastic interview. Um, we've had some good names on this, haven't we? Really, we've, we've done all right. We've done. We've been really, really lucky that people have given us their time. You know, I said at the start, we, mm. we are we are generally really grateful because you know you, they do it for nothing. Um, I know we do it yeah. also for nothing, but um, none of them have kicked up any fuss about wanting anything in return. Um, you know, going back to the Colliers and our very first episode, they were very forthcoming yeah. with wanting to help out, and obviously very proud of the the series they've created. And I think they're quite pleased. Oh, that uh, you know people still appreciate, it, still keep it alive to an extent. I know obviously they have. The newer games to look after as well, but uh, you know it must be very rewarding to them to have, you know, a game that's been it'll be what twenty years, nearly thirty yeah. years, I guess, in in for the first years, yeah. yeah. So again, we we obviously before COVID, being new and of course Bjorn Heidenstrom talked about having some sort of get together if we can aim for twenty twenty two or something with that. I think that'll be brilliant, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Which would be nice to go try again. So. Well, yeah, it'd be a start, wouldn't it? But that is still on the plans. I mean, they've been chatting about things we can possibly do with that. So, yeah, look forward to that in the future. But anyway, let's get on to uh, content for the next podcast, Dave. Let's set some people some challenges, shall we? Yeah, so there's this, we're going to go with three layers on this. So, um, Ross, have I ever spoke to you about uh, FC Vidos? Have, have we discussed this at all? Or? No, I don't think so. No, so Vidos is as you may know, in Liechtenstein. But uh, because the Liechtenstein people don't have a league, um, they play in the Swiss League, um, which is all well and good. But those crafty those crafty Swiss don't like uh, giving up their European places to, to non, uh, non-Swiss non teams. So the challenge yeah. we, we came across in uh, in football manager terms was that uh, Vaduz, uh are in the second tier of the Swiss League. Um, the only way they'll yeah. ever play European football is by winning... The Liechtenstein Cup to go into the Europa League, and then the only way they'll ever get in the Champions League is by winning the Europa League. Um, <laughs> so, so, so the deck is stacked to say the least. Um, Just a bit. So if, yeah. so if, if you're into your modern football manager games, um, to be honest, I haven't researched how, when the Swiss League first came into being, but certainly it's on FM20. Um, yeah. Give that a go with Vaduz. Um I'm led to believe there are some lower down Liechtenstein teams who are in like lower tiers of the Swiss League. Um, right. I mean, you know, good luck, frankly. <laughs> um, I guess the other, you know, thing to consider here is that after a couple of years in football manager, the uh, the Europa League splits into the new Europa Conference League as well. So you would mm. effectively have to win that, and then the Europa League, and then you'd be in the Champions <laughs> League. So uh, yeah, yeah. Good luck with that one. That is a tough, yeah, that, tough challenge. So that's, that's our let's call that the platinum level challenge this week. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I wouldn't even try it, but some of you, <laughs> some of you might be keen on uh, sinking some hours into that. Um, I've been looking for one last uh, save on FM20, so I, I think this is where I'm going to be going. Well, you'd be a fool not to, Ross. <laughs> I, 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 I had a double day. Um, spe- speaking of uh, other stupidity, um, you may have noticed this week that uh, Ross County have signed three goalkeepers all called Ross. I know, I, know, I know it appeals to you because you are a goalkeeper called Ross and <laughs> yes. there's, there's every chance you're next on the list. Um, <laughs> now, we've seen uh, our own uh, Andrew, or King of the Rooks, has made Team of Keiths for Keith uh, <laughs> in, in Scotland, which is fair enough. He did it using the editor, which again, we'll forgive him because, yeah. you know, why, why wouldn't you? Um, so... If you want to have a go at on any any version of the game of making any team with the same same forename or indeed the same surname, that'll be fun. Uh, I guess the, the ultimate yeah. challenge is if you want to take Ross County and get your team of Rosses together. Um, <laughs> you know we've we've had inspiration of that already this week. Um, but if you want to give it a go, then who's going to stop you? Well, yeah, I mean that is also really fun. One of the Ross County keepers looks incredibly like David De Gea, doesn't he? Well, maybe it is him. Have you seen that picture? Have you seen that tweet from David Hayer this week? No, I haven't actually. He's, it, uh... Yeah, he's, looking, he's taking a screenshot of one of the, the Ross County goalkeepers. Must be after that game that was on TV. I think it must be Monday night or uh, Sunday afternoon. He looks the spitting image of David De Gea. So If you've not seen that, go and check out his Twitter. <laughs> he's just put like a little like a shocked face emoji underneath <laughs> the picture of him. Oh, brilliant! I love when players actually engage with us. Yeah, what's what David Hayer did watching Ross County play? <laughs> Well, he's obviously not practicing his goalkeeping from uh, <laughs> from recent games. Uh, and then the last challenge for you is um, it's probably limited to ninety seven, ninety eight. But um, our friend uh, Nikolai, who uh, took part in this in the same cup, if you're looking for uh, for where he come from, he is a tactical genius or a tactical nuisance. I haven't really decided which one he's got. But he has got a, a great mind for finding tactics and he's you know trying to find what he's calling the game breaker, but uh, just yeah. you know, good tactics to, to use in 97-98. And he's doing some good work and I think people are enjoying testing them. Um, I had a good go on Saturday night with uh, with Blackburn. Turns out Blackburn have got 20 million to spend, so you can basically go on, buy, buy, buy the team you want and uh, and just try and get yourself up the league. Um, yeah, the, the one we were trying was uh, I don't know what you call it. It was probably a three, maybe a three-six-one if you want to be generous. But three-six-one, yeah, yeah. There was like three, obviously three defenders, and then you had two centre mids, three attacking mids, and one up yeah. front. Um, yeah, he think he thinks the key is the one up front being uh, not in the middle, basically. So one side or the other. Um, yeah, on the screenshots he set him just to the left. Yeah, so I did that with, with Kevin Gallagher, who was on like a goal a game. Now Gallagher's okay, but he's not shouldn't be that good. Yeah, um, no. Blackburn, I had Blackburn. I think it was third by the time I finished half a season. Um, yeah. uh, it was it was good. I mean, it was it was an interesting challenge. So if you want to give that a go, um, you know, yeah. have a look have a look at Nikolai's page. He's uh, he's um, always got something on the go. So we're going to try and see if. He, I mean, let's just set the challenge: try and win the league with Blackburn using that tactic in season one. Yeah. Um, I reckon with the money you've got. Plus the money you can get from selling Ooh. people like Chris, Chris Sutton, you can probably have thirty mm. million to spend. Um, you could probably have a good go at it. 
Yeah, you can sign all the go-to players and uh, give yourself a, a fighting chance. Yeah, it's an interesting tactic. I I used one of Nikolai's tactics on my Liverpool save, actually, on the site, which I won the league with Liverpool. Slightly easier than Blackburn, I guess. But, yeah, it's he comes up with these creations and they work. They really do. Some of them don't work, but the better ones no, but, really work. Uh, well, at least yes, it, uh, he tries them, doesn't he? And the only odd thing about Blackburn is that their reputation is, is dangerously low. I don't understand why. It's as true as it is. Like, bearing in mind that they won the league. Probably yeah. two two years, three three years before that, uh, yeah. and like they, they they struggled to compete for even like with even like Leicester and Derby who were newly promoted. So it's uh, it's odd. I don't know why they've been underdone, but uh, hmm. I guess it all adds to the challenge. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, get on get on with those. Let us know how you get on. Tweet us. Um, you can tweet Dave individually or tweet us at Man on the Post. Um, yeah, let us know how you're getting on, and we will kind of announce. Some winners, I suppose, or yeah. Well, if you do well, you enjoy the most. If you enjoy, you can come on the next one and talk about it with us. It's, that's the that's your the all yeah. the incentive you need. That's your prize. <laughs> <laughs> come and chat to me and Dave. <laughs> yeah, it's some prize. <laughs> hey, I mean, we, this is technically an award-winning podcast, so you can you can you can then call yourself an award-winning podcaster after you've been on. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I, any... I and I joined several years after you won the, the award. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, there you go. So, yes, you can get you can find us on Twitter at Man on the Post. Where can they find you, Dave? And the blog? So, uh, I'm on Twitter at CM9798, and the blog is at cm9798.co.uk. And uh, the retirement home is back this Sunday. Yes, I cannot wait. There's so much stuff happening. I'm looking at my time hop, and you started uh, the Molehouse save a year ago today as well. God, really? Wow. That's... Yeah. Yeah. What that's a year. <laughs> what, what a year, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the retirement um, retirement home save is real fun. It's there's some of the little uh, spoiler tweets you've been tweeting out over the summer as well. Really make me looking forward to it coming back. Yeah, I mean, it, I won't lie. It's, it's it's the hardest game I've ever had to play. I mean, you may have take t- 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 over with the does, but uh, it's just these people can't run or move or you know. <laughs> It kind of makes you glad you don't have a 2D match engine because those circles will be moving very slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Very stagnant. Um, Yeah, you can find all that out on the Dave on Dave's Twitter on on his blog. Uh, You can find us at Man of the Post. If you like what you hear, leave us a five star rating and review on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, Stitcher, literally anywhere the podcasts are available. We are there. Um, so yeah make sure you're listening and uh, let us know on twitter if you listen to the podcast it's always good to know kind of what what you're listening what um platform you're listening through that's kind of helpful for us where we can kind of direct traffic to future with links and stuff like that but yes we shall be back next month he says maybe later this month who knows um (laughs) but until we return it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from dave goodbye goodbye and always remember to keep your champ man on the post (laughs) 